Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got a good amount of news in this episode as we have the latest box office numbers, strike updates, and Taylor Swift is heading to theaters. Let's talk about the domestic top five first. Something to note about this weekend was that Sunday was National Cinema Day. So for all participating theaters, which was most of them, all tickets were $4 for anything regular or premium format. With that said, in first place is Gran Turismo, which opened to $17.4 million. In second place was Barbie with $15.1 million for a total of $592.8 million. Third place was Blue Beetle with $12.1 million for a total now of $45.7 million. Oppenheimer came in fourth place with $8.2 million for a total of $299.2 million. So yes, it will be passing $300 million. By the time you hear this, fifth place was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem with 7.2 million for a total of 99.3 million. And the latest Liam Neeson movie, Retribution, opened in eighth place with $3.5 million. So for Gran Turismo, that is not a great opening at all. Sony promoted the hell out of it, at least in theaters. Like almost any time I went to the theaters this year, uh, there was a trailer for it playing. And this does include the preview showings that they were doing the past two weekends. So it's not a normal weekend number, it's just straight up, here's three days, that's it. Technically I had a few showings from the weekend before, and the weekend before that. Uh, and this is something that reportedly Warner Brothers is uh, a little pissed about. Uh, Deadline is reporting that they are not happy Sony is including all of those previews. Because the numbers are really close enough that Barbie could have taken first place again if you take out those previews. And so like, yes, normally three-day weekend movie opens, you count the Thursday night uh, Thursday night showings, Thursday evening showings into that. Like, that's the generally accepted rule. But, like, for Sony, it's like, well, here's two extra weekends of limited showings thrown in. It's like, eh, really? But, I mean, look, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to anyone out there. It only matters to Warner Brothers because they could, they could say Barbie hit number one again for the weekend. And it didn't. But, yeah, domestically, Gran Turismo will probably fizzle out. As for Blue Beetle, it had a decent drop of around 51%, a lot better than Flash. The issue here, though, is that it opened low to begin with, so it doesn't help much. Like, if it dropped 51% from an opening of 55 million, that would be fantastic. But it didn't. As for National Cinema Day, it was another hit with 8.5 million tickets sold, which is up 5% compared to last year. With improving numbers, I would expect this to become a yearly thing for the end of summer, as it clearly gets people to show up. For China, No More Bets stayed in first place again for the fourth weekend in a row, earning $33.1 million for a total of $464 million. In second place was Papa with $14.7 million for a total of $58.6 million. Third place was Creation of the Gods 1, Kingdom of Storms with $10.9 million for a total now of $334.7 million. In fourth place was Heart's Motive, which earned $4.8 in its debut. And in fifth place was The Woman in the Storm, with $3.7 for a total of $16.7 million. Uh, so the biggest news in Hollywood this week is not the strikes, but Taylor Swift heading to theaters. Arriving in theaters on October 13th is Taylor Swift The Heiress Tour, which is a concert film of her hit concert that she has been playing around the United States throughout the year. Seriously, it is so big that there are articles out there talking about how when she comes to a city to play, the economy gets a sizable boost thanks to all her fans showing up. Anyway, the concert film is directed by Sam Wrench and is almost three hours long. Now, 
Concert films have occasionally came to theaters. But Taylor Swift is a smart businesswoman and this is no ordinary release. She is partnering she's partnering with AMC Theaters to distribute the film. That's right. As of now, AMC is now a distributor. While AMC is distributing it, they made deals with other theater chains to play it, so it will be available to watch at Regal and Cinemark. It will also be available in theaters in Canada and Mexico as well. As for the release, the ticket prices will be $19.89 for adults, you know, $19.89 like one of our album names, and $13.13 for kids. Also for showings, it will not play every day. Instead, it will play Thursday through Sunday for a month straight. Though, if numbers hold, it will probably be extended. And with the special ticket prices, it should be noted, AMC A-List is excluded from this, so you will need to pay for a ticket. With pre-sales for tickets already up, how is it doing? Well, it's doing huge numbers, just like her concert did. After one day of pre-sales, the film has earned $37 million in ticket sales. For AMC, they accounted for $26 million of it, which broke their previous one Day uh, pre-sale record, which was for Spider-Man No Way Home, with 16.9 million. Look, Taylor Swift fans very passionate about the superstar singer, so it comes as no surprise that opening numbers are strong. And I wouldn't be surprised at this rate if it's opening to hit 100 million dollars. The real question here is the following weekends: can it hold and do decent numbers, either due to repeat viewings from fans or getting more of the general audience to watch? Overall, this is a huge boost for theater chains as the strikes are still ongoing and movies start to get pushed back. As for Taylor Swift, this is a smart move by her because she can play it in theaters for a while and then sell it to a streamer. I believe the concert film for her uh, Reputation Tour went straight to Netflix. At least one studio is responding to Taylor Swift coming to theaters, and that is Universal, as they are moving up the release of The Exorcist Believer. It too was set to come out October 13th, but now will be released on October 6th. Another release date changes from Apple and Paramount for Killers of the Flower Moon, with them skipping a limited release in early October, and we'll just go ahead with a full wide release on October 20th. As for a strike update, there is not much of one with Deadline exclusively reporting that most of the studio heads are meeting to discuss the strikes. And that's it. Sadly, we do have a death this week with Jamie Christopher, who passed away 52 due to heart complications. While you may not have heard of him, he was an assistant director on numerous films, including some from Marvel Studios, like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers Age of Ultron. Thoughts and prayers are with his family, and may he rest in peace. In an update to a story we talked about a few months ago, a judge has thrown out the lawsuit against Universal over the movie yesterday. As a quick refresher, the lawsuit was filed by two people against Universal. As they watched the trailer for the film, they saw that Anna de Arms was in it, they rented the film because of, of that, and found out she actually was not in the film as her scenes were cut. Now, as for why the lawsuit got thrown out, uh, a possible reason for it is Deadline is reporting that after they filed the lawsuit, one of the filers rented the movie again, this time from Google Play and not Prime Video. The judge was confused as to why they would think the version from Google Play would be any different. So it looks like that hurt their case a bit, uh, as it seems like they're trying to make it a bigger deal than it actually was. Personally, I'm not surprised that this case went nowhere, and I'm curious, did they even try to get a refund from Prime Video first? Like, if they got, like, hey guys, you know, you go to Prime, you go to Amazon support, they make a big fuss, if Amazon's like, sorry about that, here's, like, five, ten dollar credit for Amazon, like, would that have been enough, or did they even try that first? Like, did they try to get compensation? I don't know, this lawsuit was kind of silly to begin with.
Over at Disney, the VFX workers at Walt Disney Studios are looking to unionize with them requesting to join the IATSE union. This is the same one. VFX workers at Marvel Studios are looking to join as well. Should note that if this goes through, it does not mean all VFX workers on a Walt Disney film will be in a union, only the ones employed directly at Walt Disney Studios. Any outsourcing work the studio hires for a film would still be non-union. The Venice Film Festival also happened this week where Tony Lung received a Golden Line for a Lifetime Achievement Award. As for what's next for him, he has a film coming out at the end of the year called Once Upon a Time in Hong Kong, also titled Goldfinger, where he stars alongside fellow Infernal Affairs star Andy Lau. Looking forward to that one. Also at the festival, both Poor Things and Ferrari got standing ovations from the audience. Both films are set to come out in theaters in December. Neon also used this week to release the first trailer for Ferrari, and it looks good. I'll probably uh, give it a watch. Another trailer released this week was a teaser trailer for David Fincher's latest film, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. I'm a big Fincher fan, so I can't wait for this. It will have a limited release in theaters on October 27th, and then hit Netflix on November 10th. One movie not headed to theaters is Ridley Scott's director's cut of Napoleon. Talking to Empire Magazine, he mentioned that there is another cut of the film that is almost four and a half hours long, and he hopes Apple will release it at some point. I can definitely see Apple releasing it eventually on TV Plus after Napoleon has its run in theaters. Right, so Napoleon goes to theaters. When Napoleon hits Apple TV Plus, they might be like, hey guys, you can have the theatrical version, or you can have the special four and a half director's cut you pick. Let's start off with VOD Premium with Max as the HBO show The Idol has been canceled after one season. Uh, this was seen coming a mile away with the terrible reviews and a shortened season mid-season, right? Up until release, season one was supposed to be six episodes and midway was cut to just five. This is probably for the best because of the reported issues making the show with reshoots and creative differences and the fact the show is not helping anyone's image. And also I take it wasn't getting good viewership either. And it's an easy choice to just end it. As for upcoming shows on Max, they released a teaser trailer for the upcoming second season of Our Flag Means Death and announced that it will premiere on October 5th. This was one of the few Max originals that was a hit, so hopefully with the ongoing strikes, it doesn't get canceled and can still get a third season. In an interesting move, AMC and Max are coming together on a deal, with AMC giving Max a selection of their content for two months. The purpose of it for AMC is to advertise the content available on AMC Plus and for Max, well... It gets them more content for their subscribers. As of how it'll be set up for September and October, there will be a new section on Max called AMC Plus Picks on Max where you can find the shows AMC is sharing. This includes Fear the Walking Dead, Gangs of London, Killing Eve, Dark Winds, and a few others. This is an interesting idea and I'm real curious if it does help AMC Plus get more subscribers. And they're also being smart and not sharing the crown jewels of their service, which are the new Walking Dead spinoffs. So if you want to watch the upcoming Dereliction show, you want to watch the uh, Negan and Maggie one in New York City, you gotta go to AMC+. But look, considering AMC+, Plus does not have a huge number of subscribers right now, it doesn't hurt. And for Max, well, look, it gets them more content, even if it's temporary. Who knows if this works out, they might be able to make similar deals with other streamers to highlight their shows. And Max is following in Netflix's and uh, Prime Video's footsteps in releasing a little more info on what is being watched by launching their own top 10 list. They now have a top 10 list for films and shows in the app that will be updated daily. 
after when they launched it, uh, The Flash was number one watched movie, and Hard Knocks was the most watched show. They also mentioned how the top 10 works. For shows and movies to qualify for the top 10, a profile, aka a user, must watch at least two minutes of it, and it must have been recently added. For shows, that means an episode must have been added in the past six weeks, and for films, it must have been added to max within the past eight weeks. So while it's not exact numbers, at least they're offering something, and I hope other streamers start to build out their own top 10 lists as well. Speaking of top 10 lists, Nielsen has released their top 10 chart for the week of July 31st to August 8th, and it comes as no surprise at this point that Suits is still in first place with 3.2 billion minutes watched. In second place was The Lincoln Lawyer with 1.7 billion minutes, thanks in part to the second half of season 2 coming out on Netflix. Third place was a movie with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 debuting with 1.6 billion minutes watched on Disney+. Plus. And for Apple TV+, Plus, noticeably, uh, Hijack made the seventh place on the top 10 streaming original chart with 357 million minutes watched. Uh, the other list uh, with, you know, Guardians and Suits and all that, that was the top 10 overall, you know, streaming original or not. And while this may not seem like much, this is noticeable as it's the only the second Apple TV Plus show to reach a top 10 Nielsen chart, with Ted Lasso being the other. Also, Ted Lasso right now is the only Apple TV Plus show to make the overall top 10 list, but still, this show's Apple TV Plus is slowly building out more hits. As for Hulu, they have canceled The Great after three seasons. This was a show starring Ellie Fanning and Nicholas Holt. I take it with season three having been recently released, it did not help that the actors were not able to promote it, and there might have been lower viewership numbers. Uh, could easily be a victim of the recent streaming cuts all the streamers are doing. SAG-AFTRA have approved three shows from AMC to continue production under their interim agreement. The shows include the second season, Daryl Dixon, the Rick and Michonne spinoff, The Ones Who Live, and Interview with a Vampire. In India, Viacom 18 increased their offering of cricket, with them winning the rights to India's domestic cricket matches for five years, costing them $721.1 million. Over the next five years, they will be available on TV and on the streaming service Jio Cinema. Variety reports that Disney was in the running for it, it just didn't succeed. Still, at the very least, they still have the rights to the upcoming Cricket World Cup. And we finish up with Netflix, where the first season of One Piece is out, and so far has gotten great reviews. I was a bit surprised to see all the positive reviews, but I'm glad it's from what I've read, a fateful adaptation. Clearly a lot of work went into it, and now we see it was well worth it thanks to the reviews. Now we just have to wait and see if people will actually watch it. And to no surprise, based on the numbers we saw in throughout July, is that Netflix has renewed The Lincoln Lawyer for a third season, which will be 10 episodes long. This is one of those quiet hit shows on Netflix, right? Like, it doesn't make any big waves culturally or on social media, but when a new season drops, people do show up to watch it. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on Threads X, Instagram, or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And see you next time.